0: Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back, everybody, into the latest edition of the Cooking Up Swords with Gage Bulls podcast show. There is so much to talk about, and of course, I am your host, Gage Bulls. The Utah Jazz were able to clinch the best record in the NBA and the number one seed in the West. The Jazz will face whoever wins in the, play on, get, in the play-in tournament game. This is how the playoffs shape to be. Wh- Minus the playing tournament. The Jazz will play their first playoff game on the twenty-third of May. And that is a Sunday, okay? And this is how it shapes up to be. So in game one on Saturday. So these these are all game ones. On Saturday, Brooklyn will play the seventh seed in the East. Miami will play Milwaukee. Dallas will play the Clippers. And Portland will play Denver. On Sunday. The East 8th seed will play the Philadelphia 76ers. The Atlanta Hawks will play the New York Knicks. The 7th seed in the West will play the Phoenix Suns. And the 8th seed in the West will play Utah. And in other bright news, look, we're, the Jazz were able to obtain the number one seed in the West. I already mentioned that. You like to see that. Now there's a lot of speculation going on on who the Jazz will play. My inkling leads towards the Lakers. The Lakers and Golden State will play each other in the play-in game. I'm leaning towards more Los Angeles. Okay, I I lean heavily lean towards the Lakers. Uh, Golden State, they're a fierce team. Right? They're they're like the they're the small dog, but they have a lot of fight in them. They're like a midget dog with a lot of fight in them. All right. I see a lot of good coming out of Los Angeles, though. You hope LeBron will be healthy. Now, LeBron said the other day that look, I my ankle will never be a hundred percent. And I think that's an idiotic remark in the sense of, yeah, we all know your ankle's not gonna be a hundred percent. Your ankle will not be the same as when you were as a rookie in Cleveland. We all know that. We all know that. I mean, look, LeBron's very dramatic with his injuries. He has been this way ever since he entered the league. Young LeBron and old LeBron have been very dramatic with injuries. he take a lot of time. LeBron takes a lot of time to nurse his injuries. And when you have an older body... You have to understand, we have to comprehend that, yeah, you know what? It does take your body a little longer to heal just because, look, you are getting older. Yes, you are playing very well for an old age. You want, I mean, LeBron once said, I'm like, fine wine. I get better with age. And look, he has gotten pretty good, right? No one can deny the facts that LeBron has been a phenomenal player for the age he is. But man, oh man, he loves to dramatize his injuries. Loves to dramatize them. So if you're a Lakers fans, you hope LeBron's healthy. Anthony Davis has been a monster. Anthony Davis has really taken over with the absence of LeBron. Anthony Davis has been stepping up. Uh, but the Lakers do have a lot of question marks. You know, the number one question mark for me is Kyle Kuzma. Can Kyle Kuzma be a dependent factor coming into the game? Couple couple weeks ago, Kyle Kuzma was horrible. He was one for ten from the floor. Absolutely awful. But then the next night, I mean, he's shooting about 60% for the game. Kuzma's an on and off kind of player. It Will he be de- de- dependent? I think you know what you're going to get out of Dennis Rodier. Very gritty point guard. Scores buckets and... A lot of different ways. And he's a great ball handler. He can find his guys in traffic. He can find his guys when they're wide open. I have no problem with Dennis Rodier. The other question mark is Contavious Caldwell Pope. Same kind of questions with him. Kind of like the same, it's the same questions we ask about Kyle Kuzma. We ask the same things with Contavious Caldwell Pope. What kind of player will we be getting tonight? Andre Drummond, he's proven to be a defensive anchor for the Lakers. Not too much offensively, he does score, but he's proven to be more of a defensive factor for Los Angeles. So we'll see what the Lakers do. Can Steph Curry and the Warriors fend off the Lakers? I honestly don't think so, but you never know. Golden State looks really good. Steph Curry has been an absolute monster. Andrew Wiggins has been stepping up in the moment, playing well, even though he did miss a wide-open layup a couple weeks ago to... Really hose the Warriors over. Draymond's still pretty healthy. Draymond plays pretty well. Wiseman is, eh, you know. We'll see what we get out of the Warriors. The Warriors don't have a lot of people they can depend on. Steph Curry is their most dependable guy there. You know what you're getting with Steph Curry. But the other guys like Bazemore and Wiggins and Draymond Green, you don't know what you're going to get on a night-to-night basis. Because it varies and it alters so much, you have no idea what kind of player you'll be getting that night. Man, oh man, though. This was a hard-fought battle going back to the Jazz. This was, that was, this was a hard-fought battle for Utah to obtain not only the best record in the NBA, but the number one seed in the West. So, coming into Sunday evening, the Jazz are going to play Sacramento. Most people stenciled in the Jazz for a win. You look at Sacramento, they played, Sacramento played the game with only one of their starters, and that was Buddy Heald. Buddy Heald was the only starter to play in that game for Phoenix, for uh, Sacramento, excuse me. And Phoenix was playing San Antonio. Phoenix's mentality coming into the game is we'll have our starters Play a good chunk of the first half. Second half, they're off. We'll let the young guys and the veterans who don't get much playing time play. Now, mind you, San Antonio will be playing Memphis in the other play-in game in the West. Just on a side note. But man, oh man, the Phoenix Sun game, it really put pressure on the Jazz to win the game in Sacramento. one Moore... Ended the game in Phoenix with a game-winning three. That's how the Phoenix Suns season ended. With an exclamation point, ladies and gentlemen. one Moore, a guy you don't hear of quite often, nails the three to secure the win for the Phoenix Suns. It was... Crazy to see, you know, look, the best thing about basketball, here's one of my favorite things about basketball, things can change really quickly, look at the game where the Jazz recently played the Oklahoma City Thunder, there was a point in that game where the Jazz were up by 30, the Jazz were only up by 12, nearing the end of the fourth quarter, So, so much can drastically change. Deficits can be erased pretty quickly. And there's so many cases of it that we can look at and go, wow, yeah, I I remember that. So, yeah, I think most of us stenciled then that the Jazz were going to beat the Kings. Look, we kind of had an inkling suspicion that that would happen. But at the same time, we go, man, so much can change. So much can happen in a, in a ball game, but in the end, the Jazz absolutely routed the Sacramento Kings. It was so good to see Quinn Snyder absolutely beaming with joy. He was so happy. But at the same time, he had the Mamba mentality of, yeah, we just obtained the best record in the NBA. Yeah, we just secured the number one seed in the West, but there's a lot more work for us to do. We still have the playoffs ahead of us. We still have to beat whoever wins the play-in-game. We need to stay focused. I think the Jazz will ramp up and practice this week. They're going to play like like it's a game. They're going to play in-game situations. They want to win drastically. It would be a real shame to have the NBA's best record that season, this season, but not be able to make it out of the first round. And look, there are some legitimate concerns. And I hear you. Look, if the Jazz play the Lakers, they're going to have to step up defensively. It's plain and simple. You cannot play games with the Lakers. That was clear in the bubble last year. You look at the bubble last year. The Lakers came into the playoff bubble not playing their best basketball. Yes, now granted, COVID did prevent a couple of guys from not even going to a court and practicing at all. A lot of guys had not played on a hoop till they got to Orlando, till they got to the bubble. For example, Giannis Antetokounmpo admitted when he got down to Walt Disney World that he had not practiced basketball at all because he had no access to a hoop. He had not he didn't have a hoop at his house. He hadn't even thought of putting a hoop at his house because who knew that a pandemic would strike the world. No one saw it coming. No one saw it drastically changing the course of the sports world. But the Lakers come in, they don't play their best basketball in the bubble, and they end up winning the finals against the Miami Heat. Now, some people are saying, yeah, we need to put an asterisk next to it. But look, the Lakers won fair and square. Okay, at the end of the day, they still won the finals and they're still a pretty good team. Yeah, they're missing some pieces that weren't a part that were a part of the team last year. But they still have the ability to get the job done. The Lakers, I think in most people's minds still I mean, I think a lot of people are still betting on the Lakers to win the finals this year. I think a lot of people have fallen off the Clippers bandwagon because they're like, "Man, Paul George, not as great as advertised. Kawhi Leonard, he's just kind of meh. It's not my favorite. I mean, last year, look, people were flocking to the Clippers left and right. This year, not happening. People want to go to either Brooklyn or the Lakers. More than likely, they're going to end up in Brooklyn. I swear everybody else goes there. And I think Brooklyn most people's minds, they're going to win the finals. How do you not? But look, the Jazz, even if they play the Warriors, you got to step up defensively. Do you, do you dare put Royce O'Neill on Steph Curry? Royce O'Neal being arguably your second-best defender behind Rudy Gobert. Can Mike Conley handle the pressure of guarding Steph Curry? Now, mind you, yes, the Lakers are without Klay Thompson. Klay Thompson's out. But Steph Curry has proven this season he doesn't need Clay Thompson. He doesn't need a Kevin Durant. There are games where, yeah, he does need that other splash brother or he needs that second piece that he can rely on. But he's also proven that I can get the job done by myself. And look, that makes him a legitimate MVP candidate for doing stuff like this. So there's concerns if the Jazz play either team, but you hope and you pray if you're a Jazz fan, and even me being a Jazz fan, I cross my fingers and I hope and I pray that the Jazz can remain triumphant, that they can triumph over who they whoever they have to play in the first round, make it to the second round. You know, look, I'm hope I'm praying for a finals run this year, but who knows if that's ultimately possible? The Jazz have a big hill to climb if they want to get to the finals this year. It's not impossible, but it's definitely a steep hill for them to climb. Then you look at the Eastern Conference, switching from Western Conference to Eastern Conference. I think most people have their hearts set on Brooklyn making it to the finals, and guess what? I'm with the majority of that people. How do you stop a star-studded team like that? I mean, you have... Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Kevin Durant, DeAndre Jordan, Blake Griffin. There's so much stardom and there's so much power there that it makes it really tough to overcome. Then a lot of people say, well, what about Milwaukee? I don't think Giannis has the power to overcome a team like Brooklyn by himself in the playoffs. It will take drastic measures for the Milwaukee Bucks to overcome the Brooklyn Nets. It's going to take a lot. Heck, it's going to take a lot for them to even beat Miami. Miami's a good team. Oladipo, Jimmy Butler, Tyler Harrow. There's still a lot there in Miami. Yeah, Miami made it to the finals last year. They're a scrappy team. They play good basketball. As much as you want to criticize and hate on Eric Spoelstra on the Heat, you can't. Not many of us suspected that they'd make it to the finals last year, but they did. We'll see what Philly can do. Philly's the number one seed in the East this year. Can Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, and Tobias Harris prove people wrong? Can the Charlotte Hornets... Prove to people that they're the team that they want to be. Will the Boston Celtics triumph over the Washington Wizards or will Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook have something to say about it? How well will the Knicks do? The Knicks have been playing very well lately. Julius Randle has secured the bag this year. Julius Randle has been playing out of his mind basketball. No one can deny the greatness that Julius Randle has played with this year. He is on a different level this year. He's made himself a legitimate MVP candidate with what he's done with New York. New York secured a winning season this year. It took a lot. I've Look, what I looked at the Knicks before the season started, I said, wow, New York's in trouble, dude. They don't have a lot there to get it done. Mitchell Robinson, Kevin Knox... Julius Randle, R.J. Barrett, do they really have the the power to get over the the big hump and secure a winning season? I thought, oh, heck no. But the Knicks proved most of us wrong this year. The Knicks proved that we could pull together. Yeah, we have a crappy owner in James Dolan who we kind of hate, but he treats us really well. But they got the job done. I mean, I don't think... Many of us would have suspected that. I think New York's making it, not to the finals, but I definitely think they'll make it out of the first round. I don't see the Atlanta Hawks as a good basketball team. Trey Young, he's no scrub. But he's kind of in a Steph Curry situation in the sense of, I don't have a lot to rely on. John Collins is a good player, but... He's not too reliable. Cam Reddish, you know, ever since being drafted, he has not been the stud or the star that he was going to be, that he was advertised to be. There's a lot of big question marks. Now, the other question along with this is do you like the play in game? Do you, as the fans out there, as NBA fans or spectators of basketball, do you enjoy this play in game? Me personally, no. I hate it. I'm like, dude, who cares? If you, if you ultimately won the eight seed at the end of the day, you won the eight seed. Why do I want you to play in a play-in game to prove that you're the eight seed? You proved it throughout the regular season. Why do you, we need one more game for you to prove that to the world? I don't like it. And what if you lose that play-in game? Then your whole season just went to naught, basically. And I think that's kind of unfair. So I'm not a very big fan. Of this play-in game. It's ridiculous. But I will tell you who I'm a big fan of. And that's Utah Jazz guard Jordan Clarkson. Okay, recently Clarkson was a nominee for the Western Conference Player of the Week. But sadly that award went to the Trailblazers' Damian Lillard. But still, to even be considered for the award, it's phenomenal. I think it's time for Jazz fans, and I think most Jazz fans have done this, But I think it's time for all Utah Jazz fans, and even those who just occasionally dabble in watching a Jazz basketball game, it's time to admit that Jordan Clarkson is a valuable asset to the Jazz. He makes an immense contribution to that team. The Jazz, especially coming off the bench, a guy who can come off the bench and score me 16 or more points a night like Clarkson does regularly. It's something that teams desire. Teams want guys like that. And in my mind, I think Clarkson will really remember Utah the most when his career ends. You know, if we saw... In Sacramento, in a post-game interview, they were asking him about possibly facing his former team, the Los Angeles Lakers, where he started his career, mind you, in the first round of the playoffs. And he said, look, dude, our focus is just winning at this rate. I don't care about playing my former team. I really don't care, right? And that's the kind of answer you expect out of a Jordan Clarkson you're not going to expect that answer out of a Mike Conley if you're asking him about playing Memphis. He's going to give you the answer of, well, look, I respect Memphis. I enjoyed my time there, but, look, we still need to beat him, right? You know, we have, we have, we're focused on beating him as much as I respect him. That's not the answer you're going to get from Jordan Clarkson. I like the answer Jordan Clarkson gave you because, look, I don't think he's necessarily wrong. I think the answer he gave is perfect. Yeah, we're fo- Yeah, that's great, but we're focused on trying to get out of the first round. We're focused on getting ourselves to the finals this year and hoisting that trophy. Jordan Clarkson, though, like I said, I think he'll remember Utah the most at the end of his career. This is a place that has given him the chance to be the star that he is. The Lakers, you know, they got rid of guys such as D'Angelo Russell and Jordan Clarkson because... They were in a rebuilding phase, man. Kobe had just retired recently, you know, just a couple years earlier, and they just weren't a good team. We can all admit that the Lakers weren't very good. Oh, and Julius Randle was even a part of that squad. And they were kind of like, well, look, we need to build from the outside. We need to have a rebuild. We need to totally reconstruct the Los Angeles Lakers. We need to get this back to be a winning franchise. And if that means getting rid of our young, valuable rookies, then so be it. And they did. And these guys all departed. Clarkson ends up in Cleveland, where LeBron eventually ends up. He ends up going back and he goes and he plays with LeBron in Cleveland. And comes close to winning a finals, very, very close to winning a finals. Golden State ends up beating him. And then he's traded to Utah. And Quinn Snyder gave Jordan Clarkson the chance to be the player that he wanted to be, and he's proven to be the stud that he is. I mean, the guy has been averaging for the jazz over 16 points a game off the bench. That's, that's quite a lot. There's a lot of guys in the Jazz's starting lineup that aren't giving you 16 points a night consistently. AK, you know, such as, I mean, Rudy Gobert, Royce O'Neal, sometimes Boyan Bogdanovich, guys who aren't giving you a guaranteed 16 per night. Jordan Clarkson's almost giving you pretty much a guaranteed 16-plus points per night. There are times where Jordan Clarkson's giving you 30 points off the bench. He is such a stud. I love it. You love seeing the Jazz be one of the best teams. Here's a low market team. A team that does not have a big market at all. The Jazz are not a big market team. But yet, here they are. They have sole possession of the best record in the NBA this season. And they're the number one seed in the Western Conference. What more could he ask of as a Jazz fan in the regular season? In the playoffs, you're hoping, look, we're hoping to hoist that trophy at the end of the season. But in the regular season, what more can he ask for? You have the best record in the NBA, and you're the number one seed in the Western Conference. There's not a lot more you can ask for. And, by the way, Rudy Gobert looks like the likely Defensive Player of the Year candidate. There's so much good going on in Utah right now. So much good. And you love to see it. You hear Donovan Mitchell is going to be, try to be close to as 100% healthy as he can be for the playoffs. Because you need all the stars and studs that you you can get for the playoffs. These are big moments. You want to progress. You want to move forward in the playoffs because you want to eventually make it to the finals. And you want to host that Larry O'Brien trophy at the end of the season. So, Jazz, let's do it, baby. Let's do it. Okay, we got to transition to baseball. Now, we have to transition specifically to the Angels. The Angels got some heartbreaking news recently. Mike Trout out six to eight weeks with a right calf strain. This is rough for the Angels. The Angels... Really started off the season well, and right now they're kind of diving off a cliff. Mike Trout, the Angels went on a six-game road series recently. They went and played Houston and Boston, and Trout only had one hit out of the out of the six games, and that came in the final game in Boston on Sunday, where he hit a double to set up the Otani two-run home run. So he got a, he got arguably the biggest hit of the ball game that game. Set up the game winning home run. It's tough to see him go down like that. Trout over the past couple seasons, I won't I won't say he's been plagued by injury, but he's definitely been nagged by injuries. I mean, remember a couple of years ago in Miami when he basically when he broke his thumb sliding into second base trying to steal a bag. And he's had these ham- he's had hamstring issues. He's had leg issues. And he misses a significant amount of time. Six to eight weeks, that's, that's close to two months. Six, six, six weeks is close to two months. Eight weeks is two months. Trout is the Angels' most valuable asset. He's a huge contributor to them. And when he's out of the lineup, the Angels struggle mightily. But now you hope that Anthony Rendon and the Jose Iglesias Uptins, that they can step up and propel the Angels to wins. The Angels recently also got rid of Albert Pujols. That ends up being really messy. That ended up being a huge mess. And I'm still pretty perturbed by it. Both sides are telling a different story right now. Originally, the story was coming out of, of the situation that Albert was set to play against the Rays when Ryan Yarbrough was pitching. And Albert Pujols, I want to say, was like 3-for-6 in his career against Ryan Yarbrough. So he was batting 500 against Ryan Yarbrough. Jared Walsh had no hits against Yarbrough. And Albert was told that morning that he would be playing first base that night. And mind you, Albert also understood that, look, I'm not going to be playing first base a whole lot this year. I'm just going to take the best amount of playing time I can get. And then the Angels swap out Pujols that night for another first baseman. Albert gets pretty ticked. They they talk about it. Madden's there. And, they, you know, the story is Pujols goes in there. He criticizes Madden's managerial skills, and he's pretty mad. He's, he's citing all this crap. Later that day, later the next day, the Angels release him. They designate, an, they designate him for assignment, which eventually leads to him getting released. Because when you get designated for assignment, you can either accept to go play in Triple A Salt Lake, in this case, or you just accept that they're going to pay me outright the money they owe me, and I'm going to go somewhere new. I'm going to be a free agent. And that's what he did. But the Angels came out and said, no, Albert didn't criticize Joe Madden. Nothing went wrong. The situation went pretty smoothly. Both parties agreed to a mutual agreement. I can't, uh, I don't think I can side with the Angels story. I'm going to be siding with Albert's story. Look, I'm criticizing Joe Madden's managerial skills. There's so much crap going on over there in Anaheim right now that it's tough to watch it is tough to watch the decisions he's making it's tough to watch and see what Perry Manasian is doing to this team he's they're slaughtering them they're slowly killing the angels they they're in dire need of pitching so you freed up some money to go get pitching and granted yes you did get hunter strickland from the from the rays but that was for the bullpen the bullpen didn't need some help But they need starting pitching help. That is what the Angels need. The Angels need a guy like a Kenta Maeda or, heck, even a Jake Oterizzi to come in and help them out a little. The Angels, the biggest roadblock in their way is pitching. But look, it was tough to see Albert get released because Albert signed a huge deal with the Angels after his time with the Cardinals was up, after he won the World Series in 2011 with the Cardinals. He signed with the Angels in 2012, so that's that's nine years, not like eight and a half years you spent in an Angels uniform. That's a long time in terms of baseball, and it would have been so nice as a fan coming from an Angels fan. I'm an Angels fan, so this is coming from an Angels fan right now. Here's my bias, okay. It would have been so nice to have honored Albert Pujols in such a nice way, done something very nice, have a very beautiful ceremony for him at the Big A, put on a tribute video to him, you know, have him possibly go on a farewell tour to, to the stadiums we're finishing the season out at. That would have been really nice. I think a lot of fans would have liked to have seen that. But it got really messy, and guess what? Albert goes and signs with the team up 30 minutes up the road, the Dodgers. Unfortunately, they made him switch his number to 55, but I don't think he cares. He goes, you know what? I might be winning a ring this year. The Angels, they're barely going to be scratching to get a wild card spot. I'm, I'm still perturbed. It's been about a week. And I'm still pretty furious about it. I didn't like the way things ended. I would have liked to have honored him because I really liked Albert. Albert was one of my favorite players. He was classy, you guys liked him. He was a great locker room presence. But basically, he was like he's like a bag in the wind now. He gone too soon is basically what I want to say. Gone too soon. It's sad that this is how things ended between the two parties. I don't know whose story I to believe, but I'll tell you this. If I'm to pick a side, I'm picking Albert's side. I trust Albert more than I do the Angels, to be honest. I don't know if I can trust Art, Art Moreno and first-year general manager Perry Manajian anymore. They have do- they have caused too much harm to this team. They have done crap that Angels fans are sick of. Angels fans want to get back to the playoffs. Angels haven't been to the playoffs since 2014. I mentioned this quite a bit. And you hope and you pray and you cross your fingers because, dude, you got the best player in baseball on your team and Mike Trout, and you got one of the better players in baseball on your team as well and Anthony Rendon. You have, you don't have a scrubby lineup. Your, but your defense has not been playing very well. Your pitching is horrible. Your bullpen is mediocre at best. It's rough to see this happen. It's rough, but you know what? The Jazz have said has shed some light into my life, and you know what? I'm I'm happy to have some light in my life after all that's going on. You know what I mean? All right, folks. That's all I got for you today. It was fun talking with you. I always enjoy, you know, discussing these very, very important topics, as you know. (laughs) But until next time, everybody, peace and love.